Good evening. Today is Monday, August 28th, and we are studying the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's step is step seven, and our speaker tonight is Mary Ellen. Thank you, Mary Ellen. Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, hi, everybody. My name is Marie Ellen G., and it's really a privilege and a pleasure to be here. I think this is actually my first time in this meeting, so that's special. Um, I, uh, I just wanted to share that today um, is my ninth month anniversary of being abstinent after a lifetime, a lifetime of abusive eating. And, you know, for me, it's really um, emotional and uh, amazing experience because I'm in my 60s and I'm really just finally living. Uh, I'm living free in many, many ways. And it's thanks to this program and, uh, and the people in it. So I wanted to start with that. I also thought I'd just let you know what I'm thinking I'm going to do is I'll, I'll talk a little bit about my life and food or with food and then you know, how I got into program and I'll get into a little bit of my thoughts on step seven, you know, which is humbly asking God to remove these shortcomings or these defects of character. So um, I guess what we'll start with uh, um, my life with food. Uh, I do want to, I, I have some little notes that I jot on the side. I, I want to say this, I think what basically has happened to me through this program is that um, a higher power, food was my higher power. It was in control of my life. And through this program, my higher power took its rightful, his rightful place and the food had to take its place. And, the, and then food had to bow to my higher power. And that's what I really think uh, this program um, allowed uh, me to understand and allowed that process to happen. So I'll just start with this. Um, I come from an Italian-Ukrainian family, and the Italian side really dominated in every way, culturally, mindset, uh, food, all of it. And I was thinking about it because I just I spoke on Tuesday at a meeting, and I was talking about my, my early life, uh, you know, because I have been... Um, food was an issue for me, like from when I from when I was three years old. So I talked a lot about my like childhood stuff. But I guess because I had talked at that meeting, I've been like thinking about it a lot and processing my my whole life with food. And I want to tell you that food was um, such a huge part of life. And honestly, most of mine, if not all my good memories are associated with food in one way or another. Um, my dad uh, was a baker and then he owned a bakery and um, he would, uh, it was a wholesale bakery and they would sell, um, I think I could say, right, some food that, like bread to restaurants and hotels in Manhattan. And so, you know, some of my favorite memories, our recreation was going to the restaurants and places that my father's business uh, sold bread to. And they would treat my father like a superstar, you know, because he was the president of that company. And I felt like, whoa, you know, he is so like something else and we're his family. And so it became a whole event that I always uh, really tre treasured. Um, I, I started thinking about things like we used to go upstate New York and uh, to Newburgh to some family. And I'm like, what I remember most about 
those visits was that in the evening, it could, I thought it was like midnight. I don't know. I was a little kid, but it was dark. And my father would always stop at Dunkin' Donuts. And that's what I remember. I don't remember the visits with the people. I remembered looking forward to that stop, you know. Um, I, I, uh, I say that food is filled with lots of good memories. But I say that with also a realization that there was so much mixture. It was a very big mixed message with food. There was always an abundance. Like if we had holidays, everybody at the whole entire uh, holiday could take the food and take it home and there would still be more. It was like, that was the hospitality. That was the love, you know? And uh, so so that that's fun, you know? You're looking forward to it, but... Um, there was also a lack of safety in regard to the food. And it's such a weird thing. Like, I, I can't even explain it exactly. There were four kids and my parents. We all had weight issues. But um, for some reason, you know, uh, I I was the person that, like, could be made the jokes of. And um, I'm not quite sure I figured that one out. But, for example, I remember going to visit cousins in the city and it was like lots of people in the apartment. And my cousin, who was very heavy, but he would be trying to be affectionate and he would yell out, hello, chubby, in front of everybody. And I would just want to sink. And in my mind, if other people are big and you're calling me out, then I must really be horrible. And that's how I was absorbing it. I was hearing it as I must really be disgusting. I really saw that early in. And I um, remember like dieting and really depriving myself. I mean, I'm hanging on like for dear life to try to lose like 15 pounds. And I do remember, you know, uh, getting a new dress because I lost 15 pounds. I'm feeling pretty good. I came home to, you know, and my father says, uh, um, you know, did you did you gain weight? And I'm like, no, I lost weight, you know. And he's like, really? Well, that dress makes you look fatter. And it's like for a girl, that just went right in. That just what my father said was totally the truth in my mind, you know. And so, you know, I just wanted to like curl up and 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 leave. And um, you know, even things like I remember like it, desserts being on the table, and then I go to get a piece, and in front of everyone, someone says, "Do you really need that?" And those kind of things made food. Yes, I loved it. Food meant much more to me than I saw than it meant to others. Because even in my family, they might have been hard eaters. I don't know if they were addicts. I definitely am. So, um, so that was like a big, like mixed thing. I enjoy it, but what are they going to say? What's going to happen? So I kind of started hiding inside of myself. And I just want to also say that as I got into like teenage years, I was the youngest of four, but. I was eight years younger than the last kid. And what I didn't know in my family, my family had mental health issues. There was drug addiction. There was alcoholism and a lot of different traumas and things. What I didn't know when I was a kid that later like helped me understand was that my oldest sister, who was 13 years older than me, had gotten pregnant and put her child up for adoption in the 60s in an Italian home, maybe in any home, I don't know, this was like a big, big, big thing. So when I came along, my parents were super strict, super conservative, keeping me young, not wanting me to grow up. And so 
I remember going, my, my uh, closest friend was engaged and she had an engagement party. And uh, we went to go to the store, my mother and my sister and I, to get a dress. And I put a dress on that, you know, I thought looked pretty good. You know, it was in style. And I remember my sister and my mom had like a, a look of horror, like, oh, you can't wear that. That's just too mature. You need something else. And they went and they picked out a dress that uh, had um, ladybugs and polka dots all on it. And I was 21 years old and a red belt. And, and I'm like, I'm not secure. I'm not sure about it. And I'm looking at him like, are you sure? Are you sure? And they're like, yeah, yeah, that's the one. That's the one. And I go to the party. And you could imagine everybody at the party had uh, the style that I had picked out. And I'm sticking out like a 21-year-old with a 12-year-old dress on. And so just the weight, the insecurity about who I was as I was growing up as a young girl and young, not, none of that was really growing up or learning. And so um, really, I, I, I could tell you I had zero self-worth. So I was the one in school. I was going to make fun of myself first. I would make the joke. I could make a joke like nobody's business. Um, I was also pretty outgoing in my personality for the most part, but no one would know that. Now, I was hiding because I was always getting shot. And also, if in school I got bullied and I got teased and then I go home and then that kind of confirms it, then I completely believe, like, who the heck would ever want me? Um, you know, there's just nothing, nothing that anybody would see that would look uh, like they would want. And so that in ended up informing my um, perspective. And um, I really married someone based on that which when we talk about what does the consequence of the food do, many consequences, because he got, he got hit with my um, complete dysfunctional picture of myself, because the truth was I needed somebody that was going to be very nice looking. And that's what I really, that's what I need someone to show the world that I'm worth something. That this, guy must, this guy must, thank you. This guy must pick me because there's something uh, that, I, that I'm worth. So I do want to say that as I got older, thankfully, I got to talk to my dad, too, as an older man and tell him about some of these things that really sunk in. And he got to tell me about his broken stuff because he grew up in a family where he was bullied. My mom had physical and emotional abuse. And he said to me he was told and he was 21 when he got married that you never compliment a kid, never, because their head will get so he thought he was keeping me like straight and doing the right thing. And I really love my dad for us for those kind of conversations because I just saw the person there. So I want to take the next uh, few 10 minutes or so to try to just get into a little bit of program and how like I kind of got there. I have to say that in 1992, I came to a spiritual awakening in April of 1992. And of course, the marriage that I was in, there was two broken people coming from traumatic backgrounds and all different kinds of ways. That marriage did not last. But that man was an idol for me. He was my higher power. He gave me identity. So you have that person walk away. Um, I am completely devastated, lost. There's no, there's no me. I don't have a me apart from him. So I was so lost. Now I had 
come to a spiritual awakening in 1992. In 95, he leaves quickly. And I am completely lost. So I do believe that my higher power uh, brought me into therapy and moved those things that were in the way so I could hear about addiction. And so I went into therapy for a long time. I understood, you know, how it worked on the couch. I also became a social worker. So I knew, okay, I was on the couch and I listened to people on the couch. So I got the whole picture and I understood where everything came, but it didn't change one thing about the food. I still couldn't get the food right. And I thought there was just like something wrong with me. I just, there was, but I just didn't get it. I thought it was my willpower. So um, I, I, I know they're saying in this program, you know, to say God. So I will use the term God. But for me, in all honesty, you know, that Bette Midler song that's like from a distance, you know, we all have enough. Like, no, no, I don't. <laughs> you know, so for me, it's really, really personal. And I would use other language. But, you know, based on here, I will say a God. But it's it's so much more personal to me. And so I was in a car in a parking lot outside of Macy's after not being able to find clothes to go to Florida. And I was crying and crying. And I said, God, um, this was in the early 2000s. I, I hate myself. And I was like, hitting. So I hate myself. I hate myself. I hate myself. And I heard God say to me, like deep in my being, like, like, don't hate yourself. It's behavior. He, it's an addiction. And I heard addiction and hey, I knew addiction had something. We, we could do something about addiction. So I found a 12 step program at that time. It was in person and I already found God. So I felt like, okay, I'm ahead of the game here. And I got a, a plan. Really what I got was a diet. What I understood it to be was that I'm going into this program. I'm supposed to be honoring God with the way I eat and get healthy and everything. He's going to help me with that. And these people are helping me with that. So I got a sponsor and we went up to about the fourth step. I don't know how many workshops I went to on the fourth step and never did the fourth step. But as I was there, I just thought, I got this. I lost weight. I don't know. They let me qualify. I guess it was probably because I did put the food down, but I was the best dieter ever. Like I'm sure many of you were. So I was able to do that. And at a certain point, I was like, I got this. And I left. And you know the story. 20 years of playing with food back, forth, back, forth, back, forth. Ridiculous things. I got diabetes. You know, you, you know the whole the whole entire drill, right? So I got to a place I did. There are some foods I never picked up after that first stint in OA. But and so because of that, I, I did lose weight from my top, top weight. But certainly for a five foot three woman, not, nowhere near. But I didn't understand. I, I thought, well, God's going to should be able to free me from this and I should be able to eat whatever I want. But that hasn't happened. So I don't know. Maybe this is the best it gets. So I wasn't even thinking about the food. And in November of last year, though, for a number of years, I felt this block between me and God. I couldn't explain it. I didn't know what it was. I was reading all kinds of books on the dark night of the soul and asking my friends and praying about it for years. So I can't answer as to why. But in November, uh, November 28th, yeah, I was just like, God, the new year's coming. I can't take it anymore. I can't take this block between you and I. It was like being married and having this great, close, emotional, in every way, intimate relationship with your spouse. And suddenly it becomes more functional. 
you don't fight or anything, but there's something that's missing. And that's what happened. And it got worse and worse. So I was praying on that. And all of a sudden, no kid, I hear this whisper, what about those steps? And I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You told me about that. And to tell you the truth, I look back and I think, I'm surprised I didn't say, well, where were you for 20 years? I've been like eating like this, you know, but I think I realized it wasn't that. He was always waiting for me. It was me. He could say that to me. Where were you? You know, so I heard that I go into a room and I put the food down the way I understood at that point. I put it down and I went into a room. And as I went, I literally felt like God was telling me, you know, uh, that the block went a little lighter. And that I was in the right direction. I got a sponsor who helped me work through the steps. And I, I want to get to um, the seventh step, you know, which is uh, humbly asking God to remove shortcomings. So I think for the first time I heard spiritual malady, malady spiritually with him. The one I, I have this thing with, that's bad. That's bad. That's the first time I really, really heard it. And I think about the humility in step four. Um, because I have to really look at myself, right? In step four, like the process to get to seven is like looking at form and all the other things. And so for me, the way I can best describe it is I feel like I'm carrying this big bag. And in that bag, I can take out the top stuff. I can look at the top stuff because I figure if I tell you, you know, I really screamed at my kids when they were younger. And most of you probably, if you had kids, you probably screamed at them too sometimes. So it doesn't make me feel too scared to tell you that. But as I get down that bed, this heavy bed, the darker I go down there, the scarier it is for me to look at this. And plus, I have to bring this out. Now I have to tell somebody like my sponsor or somebody else. I have to take this dark thing. And does this thing define me? I think this thing defines me. And I think that kept me from wanting to look at it. I always could see the other person and this is why I did what I did. And I, it took my sponsor and I will tell you three times I had to talk about it because I couldn't understand. Well, we're only looking at me. It was because the identity of that, what does that say about who I am as a person? But I really realized that I was believing in a lie. And so um, what I realized is that in that process where I have to be willing, um, humbly ask him to remove these things, do I really, really want to? Or do I want to continue to believe that somebody else is a reason I react this way? And am I going to continue to keep that in the dark bag? Not really, really want to look at the truth because I'm looking at it from a higher power who loves me with grace. And I think this program, this is my on on it is like I think uh, my sponsor acted as that safe space offered me grace I was able to take the stuff out of the bag look at it for what it was and what it was really doing um do I uh want to let go of the idea that I'm right damn it I am right right that my reaction is all due to them but I notice that as I take these things out of the bag in this light of grace, that the bag is getting lighter. Um, I, I even notice like, okay, I'm, I'm, I was nasty to someone, but I'm mad at the way they respond, you know? So I start really, really just seeing the truth of all these things. And as I did, 
And I came to realize I can't take care of them. Just like the food, I can't do it. Same thing with these character defects, these shortcomings. I can't do it. And that was part of the block. I'm striving. I'm working. I'm trying. I love you, God. I want to love you, God. I want to do the right thing by you. But I keep doing the same stuff. And so was I ready? I'm tired of holding that back. And I'm tired of identifying myself as this person who did these crappy things in this bag. Instead, the truth is I came to start to realize, no, I am loved by some a God that knows me. Not a God from the distance, you know, where everything is enough. No, my God knows my name. He knows every hair on my head and I'm... he loves me. So I, I just will close with this. Um, I am willing to take it out and to let him remove it. And um, I am, I just want to last end with this is humility does cost something because it's humble, right? Because it, it's a risk and it's laying down lies that I tell myself, my security, my identity, my reputation. But I believe that laying those things down brings me to a much more abundant life in freedom from the food and the character defects and, an, and a relationship with my higher power that I wouldn't trade for anything. Thank you. Thank you, Marie Ellen. All right. We will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, Please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions, or star nine if you're on the phone, and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Would our timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up? If the speaker has asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Uh, I think I'm supposed to unmute people, but I think I need direction on how to do that. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. For oh, you're you. doing that? Oh, great! You Thank you. Betcha. No <laughs> Thank you. All right, uh, Meredith, why don't you get us started off tonight? Hey, everybody. I'm Meredith B. in Tennessee, a recovered compulsive overeater. I, when you speak, Marie Ellen, I'm just like <laughs> mesmerized. I'm so drawn in. Um, but gosh, what you said at the end was so. I don't know, poignant, or it just was gripping, like to say, um, it has a cost. And uh, am I really willing to let go of this rock, you know? Um, it's, but it's mine. <laughs> and it's not, you know, not so much, um, yeah, it's scary. To, the prospect of living another way, it's like the devil you don't know. It's just, it's scary. Um, yeah, it's a mystery. It's a mystery how this all works, but I'm so glad I got clued in on it. And, um, and I'm getting clued in every day. There's always something, there's always something. Um, 
but I'm on the right trajectory, I think. And uh, that feels really great. And only because of all of you guys. Thank you so much for being my people. You saved me. Love you all. I'll pass. Thank you, Meredith. All right. Somebody on the phone has their hand raised, so I can't see uh, your name. And I don't actually even know how anybody know how to unmute on the phone. Um, they can press star nine. The, star this nine. is this is the person. Your number starts six one nine seven two nine eight seven five one. So if you press star nine for us, you should be able to share. And if that doesn't work, that might be might be star six. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I was thinking, Kendall. I think it's star nine to raise or lower hand and star six to unmute. All right. There oh, you go. Okay, excellent. Maybe you can just start by telling us your name and then go ahead and take a share. We can't hear you. Are you, uh, do you have your phone muted? Okay, sorry about that. This is Elizabeth. Um, Really glad to be here. I really appreciated your sharing, Mary Ellen, and um, I just wanted to ask, uh, I'm really curious about your conception of higher power. I know you, you um, modified your language to be God um, for the sake of your share in this meeting, but I, if you would like to share, I would really love to hear about your conception. Thank you. Yeah, I wasn't sure if that was something that you guys did on this meeting, so I mean, I uh, called my higher power Lord. So uh, I am a Christian. And um, so, yes, that's my conception is like that. The rescuer that they talk about in the big book is my savior, you know, so that's my conception. So God, like for me, is kind of, you know, it's funny. Uh, there was a period of time where I had that feeling of block and I couldn't refer to him as Lord. Now, I had to say God because I felt like it was general. And I know that's not the case for everybody. So please, please do not be offended by me. I'm just saying for me, that's what happened. And then when that block was lifted, I could go back. It's kind of like, I don't want to be disrespectful. But it's like if you have your, you know, your spouse or something and you say, hun, or something like that, I couldn't do it because I, I felt like there, there's something there between us. So I hope that's okay. Awesome. Thank you, Marie. And thanks, Elizabeth, for your question. Uh, Ganit, do you want to go ahead and share with us tonight? There we go. Thank you so much. Um, good evening, everyone. Ganit's Compulsive Overeater, Yvonne. Thank you. Thank you all. Gosh, it's been a long time since I've been to this meeting, but thank you for keeping it going. Um, so grateful to be here and see so many amazing loving faces and I just need that reminder of the kindness and the loving and that's what I love about build own conception. Marie Ellen, thank you for your story. It's just another testament to me. No matter how I don't know somebody across the world, even across the states, across ages, cultures, whatever, we are so one. And I so appreciate that home feeling that I get. I related so, so much. Um, 
I needed to claim my seat tonight and I didn't even realize how much I did. And I was like something inside of me. Like, I need a meeting. I need like a, a full meeting to just be today at least. Um, I have a natal birthday coming up over the long weekend ahead. I have loving family that I'm so grateful to have cleaner relationships with, loving relationships with. And yes, the body comments of growing up and everything could have kept me isolated forever, especially if I just only started the program and let go at around four where all of it comes out. But thank you, God, for a spiritual recovery to keep growing. But that's why I still need to keep growing because that loving part goes away like that. And isolation can begin like that because I can begin to be in my own head and start to create, at least for me, the old defects of sight of you're going to judge me, they're judging me, everybody's judging me, and I can't do. And, you know, very, very gratefully being, having been around, having been abstinent a second at a time over a decade or so. And the body is a human body changes you know I mean and there are things that I remember like maybe three years ago or so when I had tighter jeans and this and that and yesterday I went out with my mom and I said in my 10th step I want to have a life anytime there's something happening like an event or a birthday or whatever I go back to my old mentality of strict and control and keep my life super small and not go to eat or anything because and that's exactly the opposite. That's what I came for, to be able to live, to go out and have a plate of food, to let God manage the size, to let God manage the dress. And I purposely put on jeans that I knew were tight. I bought them tight maybe three years ago. And I was like, yeah, it's okay. And they were tight. And I was like, mom, these are tight. And so she's like, yeah, they look tight too. Do you want <laughs> And there it was, I'm guys. I, was that my time? Sorry. Yes. Oh, thank you. I will just say there it was the perfectionism and the all or nothing judgment of I failed abstinence. And that's exactly what I want to fail is the fake one. And thank you, God, for not the next day of the crazy diet and the next day of the binge, but just to be abstinent and let the body be to God. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Ganit. Uh, Amy, do you want to go ahead and share with us? Hi, everyone. It's Amy L. in California, a grateful compulsive eater. It's so good to be here. And I'm looking for you, Emery Ellen. Thank you so much. I, I loved your whole share. Um, you know, when you said that you're living free for the first time in 60 years, it's a miracle. I am also a, an older woman and um, it's never too late. Oh. It's never too late. And it's, it's never the right time. This is the right time today. So thank you. Um, food was my higher power. It was in control of my life. Yes. And it ruled my life. And so did my body image, my obsession with body image. And you shared so many you know, stories about comments people would make and how as a as a girl, you know, it becomes so much a part of our identity. I remember having my seventh grade teacher, bless her, 
would call me Target. She'd say, here comes Target to all the kids because of my butt. And the shame I felt, I wasn't even that big, but the shame I felt, that shame, that became so much my bondage of self because shame is is disconnecting, it's annihilating. And for me, uh, my body image became my higher power. And as long as that was my higher power, it was like a smoke screen. I never had to look at what was really wrong, what mm-hmm. was my spiritual melody. It was only about getting the body right. And I was tricked by that lie over and over and over again. It was a very powerful illusion, delusion, whatever you want to call it. And when you said I had to be willing to look at my the, the darkest corners, you know, it says in the big book, and I can't do that alone. That is way too effing scary. I can only do that with a power I call God, that infinite, loving, protective source. And that's what we get. And it's one day at a time is turning to that power because there's a part of me that will still think I don't want to go to that party because of the way I look. There's a part of me that will still believe that lie. And that's, I don't have to live that way. I can go with my God wrapped around me and I can hold my head up. So thank you. Thank you so much for that beautiful share. And thank you everyone doing service. Thank you. So good to see everyone. Thanks, Amy. Betty, come on in and share with us. Hi, everybody. I'm Betty S., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Florida. Well, I'll tell you, Marie Ellen, thank you so much. I heard uh, so much of my story and your story, especially about being Italian and food. It goes way back to day one. Um, That was love. The food was love. And in my family, it still is. Um, But I don't have to, I don't have to believe that anymore. Um, I heard, I heard desperation and desperation to me is where I am when I need my higher power to help me to take away this character defect. And, and, and one of them, the most recent one that I'm dealing with is um, control issue, you know, self being self-centered, wanting what I want because I think I'm right. And asking God to take that character defect because it does not serve me at all in my relationships. It's been harmful. And I've, I've done it all my life. I just thought that's what I should do because I know better a lot of times, you know. <laughs> well, I was, I'm surprised that I have been so desperate to let go of that. It says in the book, if we still cling to something, we'll not let go. We ask God to help us be willing. And that's what I do every day. I ask God, whatever the character defect I'm facing or becoming aware of, or uh, Betty, I think you're breaking up on us. I'm sorry. I thought somebody was talking. Um, it shows me that's the one I need to deal with. So 
by the, by the seventh step, I couldn't have done it when I was in the fourth step. I had to get to the seventh step to be able to be willing to let some of these go. And they didn't just all disappear. I mean, every time I do a 10 step, I face a character defect. And I ask God once again, help me let this go. And now I realize that's, that's what recovery is all about, is change. Changing as to what God wants me to be today. I don't know about tomorrow. But, you know, it's helped me get out of myself, out of my head, out of judging people, out of being afraid people are judging me. It's given me freedom. It's given me so much freedom. And I never knew what that was. I really didn't. I didn't. I was bound by the food, but I was also bound by all this, these old beliefs, all this old thinking, um, thinking that is not healthy thinking, uh, because that's where my disease lives. So by the grace of God and everybody. And that's time anyway. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Betty. Yeah, you're cutting out, but I'm going to stop the recording now. Uh, and